everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the Cedar Valley up here in Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined by my co-host, David Mercatani. Welcome back, David. How are you doing, Andy? Everything good? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. My New York Yankees <laughs> survived in advance last night. I'm happy about that. Sunny day in Cedar Falls. U23 trials on the horizon. All is well. How about yourself? Uh, it's good. I just just uh, did our most recent Matt Chat interview um, literally about five minutes ago. And um, I'm actually going down to Oklahoma City this weekend. Um, Chris Perry is getting married, and I'm going to do a follow-up interview with Chance Leonard and Hardell Moore, and I'm going to get to meet with Eric Guerrero and John Smith. So it's going to be a a fun, busy wrestling kind of weekend for for me. Well, while we're on the topic, what do you, what's in store for Matt Chat? Tell us a little bit about the you know the Chance Leonard interview and and what do you have coming up? Uh, Chance Leonard is a really interesting guy. I was referred to him um, by some mutual friends, and he's a guy that's done really well in the business world, but absolutely has a passion for our sport and what it taught him and brought him in his life. And he is doing um, a passion project about Perry, Oklahoma, the city there, like 5,000 people. It's where Danny Hodge is from, a um, bunch of other studs, and how they've, you know, won, you know, over half of the state titles in the last 50 years. Um, never gone, they've only ever gone one year without winning it, you know, at least every other year for those, for that time period. He's doing a documentary on it, and he's using it as a fundraiser um, to help grow the sport of wrestling. He's invested all of his own personal money on the front end of it and is really only trying to recoup his cost and then pass the proceeds on to deserving wrestling um, organizations and projects and things like that. And just he's a guy, and, you know, you get a chance to talk to a lot of guys. I mean, I know you're really good friends with the brands. These kind of guys have such a high level of enthusiasm for the sport. They get they get you cranked up. So you know that was on is on the site right now. Um, I just got done interviewing Juan Archuleta, who is a really interesting uh, MMA guy. He's he's the king of the cage champion at four different weight classes, which makes him unique. But the real story behind him is the nutrition and everything he's doing, and he. He really does a deep dive on that with us, everything from, you know, when to eat what to what kind of pans you cook in and how that can literally change your performance and practice and competition. And I just thought, you know, I heard his story through a mutual friend of ours, a guy named Scott Cutbirth, and got a chance to meet Juan. And uh, I just thought that'd be something listeners, especially wrestlers, but coaches who are trying to help their athletes, I just thought that would be something to be of value you know, we have a few more weeks of doing these, uh, you know, outside interviews, and then it's back to the assistant coaches as we get into November, you know, all the way through March. Good stuff. Well, we got uh, more good stuff on the way coming up this weekend, the U23 trials up in Rochester, Minnesota. We're going to be streamed live and on demand on track wrestling. Be sure to check that out. Dave and I are going to be talking a lot about the U23 trials. Also going to be, uh, diving into a little bit more on uh, 
the key subject on last week's show, the proposed changes to college wrestling, moving potentially to a one-semester sport, and uh, the possibility of a dual tournament being on the back end of the season. Uh, but, David, uh, the big thing this week, the U23 trials, first time uh, that United World Wrestling has introduced this event. Uh, so, therefore, first time U23 trials. Falls at an interesting point in the calendar. Uh, college practices getting cranked up officially next week. The U23 World Championships will be uh, over Thanksgiving week. Uh, so you're seeing some teams are sending a lot of top guys. Some teams uh, are not. Uh, some interesting brackets in there. Certainly going to be a lot of fun to see uh, what shakes out over the course of two days up in Rochester. What, uh, from looking at the entries, what are you most excited about? Well, I think you had mentioned to me off air that maybe Dayton Fix is going to enter. And that's, you know, him versus Tomasello is awfully intriguing. Um, it's interesting, sort of the division of guys, you know, like some of these weights are really thin and some of them are really, really deep. So, I mean, you know, Jaden Ironman, um, Joey McKenna, Robbie Mathers, Date, Dalton Brady, you know, who had a great university nationals, you know, or, or Robbie Mathers did, excuse me, all those guys at, at 65 kilos, um, Le'Veon Mays, Richie Lewis at 70 kilos. I mean, I don't want to slight anybody. Tyler Berger's in that weight as well as I'm scrolling down here. Um, it's you know, then at 674, I think this is a rematch, but Isaiah Martinez, Chance Marsteller, Miles Martin, Sammy Brooks, Nathan Jackson. It's like the Big Ten quarters and semifinals there at 86. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I actually thought more guys would be in this. You know, I thought a lot more freshmen and sophomores would be in this, but I'm guessing a lot of the the coaches, when, you know, they're paying them to be there and wrestle, you know, in that event, you know, in their seasons, I guess that's probably, you know, somewhat limiting, you know, the number of participants. When you when you read it, because you follow this, you know, more, you know, like on a day-to-day, day hour-to-hour basis, what jumped out at you? Well, I, yeah, you mentioned Fix, and it sounds like he's going to be a go at 57 kilos. So, so certainly, you know, the potential to see him and where he stacks up against some high-level guys that uh, are either still in the college game or – freshly out of it. You know, you mentioned Tomasello. Uh, also have Tim Lambert in there. Um, uh, Josh Rodriguez is in that weight class. Uh, you, you know, and, and you mentioned some younger guys, too. Your guy, Dak Punk, he's from down there in, in uh, Missouri. Yeah. He wrestled at the Border Brawl. He, he's in that weight class. So, so see so where some of those younger guys are at. That's going to be really interesting, 57 kilos. I just recorded... Uh, Kyle Klingman and I just recorded on the mat with uh, uh, the the radio show that runs here in the Cedar Valley. We had Mark Perry on as a guest this week. He talked about, uh, uh, you know, the timing of it. He said, you know, if the trials were a month later, we, we'd probably see Corey Clark in this deal. If if the trials were a month later, maybe we see Spencer Lee in this thing. Uh, but uh, just not quite there in their rehabs yet. Uh, but... Uh, you know, certainly some of these guys, 65 kilos, uh, you mentioned McKenna, Ironman, Mathers, uh, Saheed Cardbo, uh, Brock Zachrell, Josh Heil, Colton McChrystal, 
Uh, I think Anthony Colica is, is also going to be, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll be at 65 or whether he's going to be at 70, but he's, uh, uh, going to be in the tournament. Um, Mays at 70, um, Berger at 70, Richie Lewis at 70. I had a chance to talk to Rutgers coach Scott Goodale yesterday and kind of asked him about, uh, you know, their process with this. And he, he talked about how, you know, just basically left it up to all the guys. And uh, Richie Lewis felt like he needed to get some matches with uh, uh, the fact that last year his season got cut short early and uh, with shoulder uh, shoulder injury and and uh, you know he's certainly a guy that that could be in the mix to make the team. Um, you know he he said like you know basically though they just left it up to all the guys on their team and these you know, they got two guys that are entering the tournament. These are two guys that wanted to go and. And uh, so, so that's their approach to it. Ohio State uh, probably sending the most uh, guys that are current hammers in college. When, when you look at uh, uh, Tomasello, McKenna, uh, and also Miles Martin, uh, I had a chance to talk to Tom Ryan about about their approach to it, and he he said that uh, you know one of the things that that uh, coaches strive for is to be known as is or be perceived as being fair. They gave Kyle Snyder the chance to uh, go overseas and compete the Uriga in the World Cup, uh, leave the team mid-season, and, and Tomasello, McKenna, and Miles Martin have some pretty high goals internationally as well, and he thinks that they're going to get some tough matches out of it. It's going to benefit Ohio State uh, this season later down on the road. And they're also not going to miss any uh, marquee dual meets uh, you know, that, that are going to cost this team, uh, you know, you know, and it's chance to win a national championship. So, uh, good to see that, uh, Ohio State's going to be well represented there. And, and as you mentioned, 86 kilos is going to be a lot of fun to watch when you, when you throw Brooks and Jackson, uh, Miles Martin in there. You're also going to have Brett Farr dropping down. He's going to be at 86 kilos. So, uh, oh, really? another guy. Wow. Yep. Another guy that, uh, going to make things really interesting. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch that weight class. Yeah, because he's on the 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 list right now at ninety seven, so that really mixes yep. things up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I you know I was scrolling through this. I mean, there's you know a lot of good kids in Greco. One of the things is this correct that uh, Hancock is at one thirty, or, or did he move up, or is that will he end up back down at ninety eight? No, that's my understanding. Is that's where where he registered. Um, now, could we see some changes? Could we see Brett Farr maybe potentially at 97 yet? I, I, I imagine that stuff like that's still a possibility. Uh, so, but, but you know, my understanding, I, I kind of had a double take to that too when, when I saw Hancock at 130. So, uh, certainly interesting, uh, you know, a guy that uh, wrestled 96 and 98 at the two world championships. Uh, this summer that he's already competed at, trying to make a run at making a third team. That'd be a, uh, Pretty interesting story, I think. If uh, we could see a guy on three Greco teams in one year, I, I uh, can't imagine that, that that has ever been done. Uh, but uh, you know, any, anything else uh, when, when you look at these these lists uh, from the women's standpoint or, or Greco? Is is there anything else you have your eye on? Um, yes. Where is it? Gabe Dean. Gabe Dean is. Yeah, Gabe is, Dean debuting in Greco, right? Yeah, that's that's you know. We'd be remiss and if we didn't talk about that. Um, Kamal Bay again, obviously. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is just cool. You know, like the more, uh, the more opportunities for these young guys, 
you know, it feels like the and 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 women, you know, but the, for the young people, the better chance there is for these folks to have success, both at this level, but obviously getting them prepared for the senior level. Yeah, you mentioned Gabe Dean, also Alex Meyer at that weight class wrestling Greco. I saw that. That's you know, when's the last time an Iowa guy? I mean, you've been around Iowa. When's the last time an Iowa guy is wrestling Greco? Boy, I'm not sure uh, if if there have been any in the 19 years that I've covered that program. I, I have to really think a lot about that. Uh, you know, we asked, you know, Kyle and I had a chance to ask Mark about that, and uh, you know, he talked about how. You know, he's rolling around with uh, Travis Rutt, um, yeah, and then some some other guys uh, within the program that that have some Greco background. Uh, so so certainly going to be interesting to see what uh, Alex Meyer can do. Um, talking about a guy that was a Fargo champ in Greco, uh, but uh, you know that's that's the thing that uh, you know Matt Lindman talked about time and time and time again this summer is is you know what what those guys you know, kind of lose from that, that developmental time in Greco when they, you know, go back to wrestling folk style. And, and uh, you're seeing two guys in Gabe Dean, Alex Meyer, that, uh, uh, you know, Gabe Dean, two-time NCAA champ, Alex Meyer, an All-American a year ago. Uh, you know, we've seen guys that have kind of dabbled uh, in Greco um, after collegiate career. And then, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we've seen anybody really lately that's had a a ton of success going back. Um, you know, you think of Mango, Ryan Mango uh, has certainly done well, but, uh, um, you know, the examples of, of guys like that are few and far between. So I'm really intrigued to see what uh, kind of tournament that, that we see from Gabe Dean and Alex Meyer. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I, it's kind of an unfair question asking you about Iowa. I think they're, they've always been leg grabbers. I don't think they, I don't yeah. think there is any any guys. I mean, you know, which is really, you know, an interesting thing. But again, it's it's evolution, it's growth, it's, you know, and you see that more and more. I mean, I've, I've been, you know, I think we're going to dive into this a little bit about the story you broke last week and just some of the tangents of those things. And you know, it's it's a, an old platitude, but you know, the only constant in life is change, and you know, you either adapt or you get run over. So I think, you know, all of these things are great um, for the sport. I mean, I'm uh, coaching a couple guys up there uh, in a couple weeks at Agony at Ames, and these are kids that have made world teams and things like that. And their mentality is so different than, you know, when you and I were that age. It's, it's not scary to them. It's like, well, this is, yeah, it's a goal and it's hard, but it's not impossible. And this is what we're trying to do. And you know, we're surrounded by the right coaches and things like that to make it happen. So that's that's an awesome thing. Yeah, I'm really excited about the fact that we're you know we're getting some some big names entering late too. You know, I mentioned Fitz showing up on the on the entry list. Uh, Mitch McKee at 61 kilos and a guy that uh, some have such uh, such great tournament in Finland, making that run to the the Junior World uh Finals, being a silver medalist, uh, went in a lot of close, tough matches, exciting matches, high-scoring matches, and a uh, guy that's so proficient in freestyle positions. So you throw him into that 61-kilo uh, bracket, and a guy that uh, certainly uh, makes things interesting there, along with, uh, you know, one of the guys I'm going to be uh, really interested to watch is Josh Terrell, and a uh, guy with uh, such high um 
uh, I don't want to put it, but basically so many dangerous skills that he has, that judo background. and, and He's got uh, a very high ceiling. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and uh, to to see uh, uh, how that shakes out, I I, I uh, and also I'm gonna I keep my eye on that entry list here for for the last day or so uh, to see who might pop up at the last minute. I think we may have some more yet uh, that we haven't heard about. So. Yeah, I think it's certainly yeah. gonna be a fun event to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it's gonna. We used to wrestle the junior college nationals at Rochester. That's a really cool facility where they have it up there. So those guys are great at, at running those kind of events. So it, it'll be first class for sure. Well, David, we spent last week's show talking so much about uh, the proposed changes in college wrestling, the one-semester proposal, the uh, idea of moving the dual tournament to the back end of the season. Uh, you spent some time making some phone calls, a lot of co- college coaches, what yeah. did you learn uh, with those phone calls? I, I got about eight or nine bullet points. I think what I'll do is maybe just, you know, give a couple of them and then you and me can kind of kick them around. The first thing that kind of is a, you know, a bundle of three, the, a couple of quotes from some guys were, hey, it actually creates a real off season the first semester. It gives guys time to adjust to college life. But the other reality of this is it gets – guys more opportunities to get into trouble you know that you know when you're in season like man i can't go mess around i can't go to a frat party i can't go to a bar because i got to make weight you know if you're there september october and you know half of august and practice official practice hasn't even started yet a lot of times too much free time at that age is a problem so you know what are your thoughts on that about the real off season adjustment and then the trouble aspect of it yeah, I don't know. I, I hadn't given that a whole lot of a thought until you, you know you mentioned it to me off air earlier, and, and uh, you know I suppose that's real. Um, I would like to think that uh, you know that that there will be enough structured things in place. You know, you, you talk about like, um, and I can't remember. I think uh, actually I did a seven minutes interview with Stephen Meechich here uh, yesterday. You know, and that interview will be running at some point in the future on track wrestling. But, uh, you know, I asked him about getting ready to get things cranked up next week. And he kind of, you know, goes, what's, kind of was like, what's next week? And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. October 10th, I'm like October 10th, started official practices. And, and then I was like, well, you, you know, you guys probably, um, have been going at it here pretty hard anyway. I mean, just, you know, high level programs and guys that, uh, have uh, goals of being NCAA champions. Um, you know they're they're not having much downtime this time of year, and, and I'm not sure that um, you know the fact that that you take practices, uh, you know official practices don't start until November 10th. Yeah, it, it adds another month on to potentially when you know guys are going to have more free time and things like that. But I got to think that. But they're still going to be getting it cranked up inside the practice room. They're going to be ready uh, to roll when the first day of official practices rolls rolls around. So, so there's there's, no, there's only two op- options there, right? Either these guys step onto XYZ campus and there's unofficial official practices starting right away, and in that case, the maybe the concern about getting into trouble goes away. But now you're actually making these guys go through the grind even longer. 
And I think one of the real concerns is the college season may be too long already. So now you're stretching it out even longer. There's more chance for burnout, more chance for injuries. The other side of it is, okay, we're not going to let these guys, you know, we're going to give them four weeks to get acclimated. Well, you know, now there's this, you know, opportunity. I mean, when I coached junior college, the first four weekends of the year were terrifying to me. I was just praying the phone wouldn't ring after 11 o'clock, you know, because it's never good news. And there's, you know, there is nothing like, look, man, you guys can't go out. We got to make weight next week. There's none of that. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, the next thing that a couple of these coaches talked talk to me about, and I talked to some guys, you know, some power schools, but also some smaller schools and the smaller school coach said two things that I thought were really interesting. First thing he said was it allows us longer to get our guys into shape because, you know, we don't have guys that wrestle 12 months of the year. He goes, so this gets us longer to slowly get them into shape, which is kind of what you're talking about. They're going to be training from the beginning. And he also pointed out something, and I don't think about this because I don't have kids, but he said dual meet attendance will go way up. He goes, there's less conflicts. He goes, you know, right now I got kids on my team and they're, the mom and dad has to decide, are we going to go watch our seven-year-old wrestle or are we going to watch our college guy wrestle? And he said, you know, frankly, we already watched our college guy wrestle when he was seven. You know, it's probably fair we do this. He goes, you know, now that these duels are after the high school and little league season, it actually is going to make it easier for folks to attend dual meets, which increases attendance which has a huge impact on how school presidents and athletic directors view the sport. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And and uh I've said this before, um one of the things that was really enlightening for me was going up to the NCA or the NWCA national duels in two thousand thirteen up in Minneapolis. There were like twenty two hundred people in the stands for the finals for Oklahoma State against Minnesota. And you're talking about two powerhouse programs in a state that is wild about wrestling. You know, the problem was that tournament was held on the same day as the state qualifying tournaments all across Minnesota, right? high school state qualifying tournaments all across Minnesota. I walked away that day saying wrestling's biggest problem isn't going head-to-head with March Madness. It's it, Wrestling's biggest problem is going head-to-head with wrestling. Yeah, and very you think well of said. how much how much of our fan base we cut out on Friday night duels, on Saturday duels, on, on things of that sort, just because high school kids are, are getting down to wait or they're getting to bed early or they're at tournaments um, on Saturdays. You're yeah. losing high school, high school wrestlers. You're losing um, high, the parents of high school wrestlers. You're losing high school coaches. High school fans. The matter is, Wrestling yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge portion uh, of our fan base. And, and that to me was when I started thinking like wrestling's biggest mission should be to get wrestling away from the high school season, not away from March madness. If, if we can get to the point where the two seasons um, don't overlap as much, then, then you're going to see a spike in dual meet attendance. And to your point, it looks more important on college campuses when there are, uh, you know, when there are 4,000 people in the stands as opposed to, to 1,500. Or, or uh, you know, some schools that are only drawing 100, if you could get that up to 200 or 300, um, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal to, to uh, 
It's significant. You know, double yeah. or triple uh, attendance figures like that. And, and uh, you know, now there are, you know, we're seeing an increase in dual meet attendance, and I think the exposure to sport has been great. We're seeing it on television more than ever before. There's so much more access out there to to the sport, uh, so much more coverage than ever before. Uh, but I, I really do feel like we're limiting ourselves uh, with dual meet attendance just based on, on the fact that we're going head-to-head with high school wrestling. I, th- I think it's a really interesting point. I think there's a macro and a micro viewpoint, right? The the macro view is if we want to bring new fans into the sport, then not competing with March Madness and other sports options is important, you know, because people like, you know, there's guys like me, like, I'll you know, I don't watch baseball much in the regular season, but I watched that game last night because whoever, it, the the result mattered. It's kind of hard to get wound up about a game in May, you know. I mean, ultimately, maybe the playoff spot came down to one or two games, but it doesn't feel like it at that point. So, yep. you know, getting wrestling away from other draws, and, you know, you're a guy that's taught me about storylines. You know, college athletes, there's a lot of storylines. So getting away from March Madness is a value. The micro, and I don't mean to, like, minimize it, but the the within the wrestling community – is just as significant, and all the points you laid out are, are spot on, which is, hey, you know, people can only go see so much wrestling. They only have so many uh, discretionary dollars. There's only so many hours in a day. I mean, I remember one year my brother and I wrestled in the Christmas tournament, and we got done, and my mom drove all night to meet up with my dad's team at Iowa State University to wrestle in the Midwest, you know, watch them wrestle in the Midwest Open. And – you know, I just happen to be part of a family that is, you know, are wrestling lunatics. And I mean that as complimentary as possible, but we love wrestling. A lot of people, like, you know, they sat in a gym all day. They're not going to go sit at another gym. They're like, I'm going home tonight. You know, I'm going to, you know, be with my, my my spouse and kids. And so that part is really well taken as well. And this this change, proposed change, would, would really, act, you know, make that a lot more uh, acceptable and easy to happen. What else did you find out? A couple of things he pointed out. Um, a couple of guys. You know, one guy was talking about, like, you know, the big picture. Like, you know, rematches would be really appealing, right? Like, you know, um, you know, he's talking about some of the close matches. Like if, you know, like Mark Hall, Zahid Valencia, Mark Hall, Bo Jordan. Um, you know, you can go through and look at the, the compelling matchups or one or two point matches. You know, you beat me in the national quarter semis or finals. Now we're going to wrestle again in the national duels. You know, people like seeing that. Um, the other thing he said, and I thought this made a lot of sense, but he, he kind of put it in a, in a specific framework. He said, all of us want a one-semester sport. He goes, all of us. It's easier for us for eligibility. It's easier to do what's right for the kids. You know, we don't like, you know, keeping kids over the holidays, but we have to. It's just how it works. And he said, you know, this makes it a lot easier for us. You know, they get to go home for Thanksgiving, things like that. He said, all the rest of it, he goes, and I can't speak for everybody, but for a lot of us when we were on this call, it's all kind of white noise. It's like, look, you know, if we can go to one semester sport and we can increase the importance of dual meets, the how of that happens, you know, for us that are in the trenches every day is, is not super relevant. So... You know, what are your thoughts on that about the one semester sport and, 
you know, that just kind of being the main focus and the rest of it, you know, not being as relevant to those guys? Well, I think uh, in, in my discussions with uh, the people that are involved in this, that that was by far and away the number one uh, focus of this and in, in trying to ramp up, you know, the APR score scores across the board for the sport, I think is, is the primary mission here. And, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you look at it just from, from an academic standpoint and, and the stress that is put on student athletes and in, in wrestling already with uh, just getting their feet on the ground and then all of a sudden you're having to uh, get certified. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to go through the late certification process. You know, you, uh, you have midterms first semester, you have finals, uh, right when, when competition is really starting to get cranked up. Uh, you go through midterms during, during the heart of your, your season. And then you go through the grind of the college season and, and get done with that. And you've got what, like three or four weeks to, to really get, uh, your feet underneath you in the classroom and, and buckle down for finals. I mean, it's, there really isn't a whole lot of time to just sit back and, and catch your breath, uh, from an academic standpoint, you know, the way I see it. And I think that, uh, you know, that, uh, that to me is, uh, is, is the key point of this. And, and, uh, certainly, you know, you, you, I mentioned last week the people that are involved in this, the, the, the people that, uh, kind of steering the ship, Bob Bolsby, the, the, uh, commissioner of the Big 12, former athletic director at Northern Iowa, former athletic director at Iowa, former athletic director at Stanford, a guy that wrestled in college, guy that wrestled at Waterloo West where, where Gable, yeah. uh, wrestled in high school. Um, it's a guy that, that loves wrestling. Yeah. And, and he's looking out for the long-term health of the sport. Um, Oliver Luck, former uh, athletic director at uh, West Virginia, the, the vice president of the NCAA, Debbie Yao, the, NC, uh, the athletic director at NC State, um, a program that has uh, made a huge investment in wrestling, a school that's made a huge investment in wrestling. Um, and, and these are people saying, here's what you need to do. And, uh you know, I, I know that Bob Bolsby has his fingers on the pulse of what's going on in college athletics and has a pretty good sense of not just what's happening now, but what's going to happen in five years, 10 years, 20 years, uh, and, and sees things through, you know, a different lens than most of us. Uh, so I, I think, um, you know, when, when they are saying that this is the path you need to go down, I think wrestling people are wise to, to open their ears and, and be uh, open-minded. Uh, to, to what they're saying. Uh, yeah, I think that the worst answer in the world about anything is, well, that's how we've always done it. Yeah. You know? I mean, right? Like, yeah. you know, you used to, you know, probably, you know, not you, but, you know, at some point people wrote their articles on typewriters, right? So, yeah. you know, there's people used to have phones you carried around in bags. It used to only be landlines. You know, so people have to evolve and have to do this. And, you know, I think the one semester thing, you know, it was such a nail biter in junior college every year when grades came out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you you know, you got all these kids and they're really good. And the only reason they're at junior college is because they were academically suspect to begin with. You know, now it's their first semester away from home. And, you know, it. yeah. And this is something that I think eliminates a lot of that, you know, like. Um, 
it, it, I think it, it's in the, in the, you know, we, the term student athlete sometimes gets used very liberally, but I think in this case, this is what's best for the student athlete. So, yeah. You know, the thing that's, that's interesting to me, one of, one of the things that's interesting to me, and, and I've had people ask this, um, why, why is it just Division One? You know, why, why aren't uh, they talking about, because uh, there was a quote in my story from Jim Fallis, the facilitator of the Blue Ribbon Task Force, uh, saying that if uh, Division Two and Division Three felt like this was the right, the right move for them, then, then um, you know, then, then they could move their season two. Uh, so people were asking me, well, or I saw this question out there, why, why not Division Two and Division Three? Well, Blue Ribbon Task Force was only um, assigned to look at Division One wrestling, so that's why. Uh, that's the answer to that question. They felt like they want to leave it in the hands of, of people at Division Two and Division Three to to decide what is best for them. And then you can make the uh, you could probably say the same thing for junior college and NAIA. Uh, you know, I, I imagine that if Division One goes down this path, that that those divisions will at least take a look. Uh, does it make sense for them to follow suit and, and also go down this route? The other thing people asked, um, or I saw this sentiment out there a little bit, like what what does it mean for uh, USA Wrestling and in open and yes and World Team Trials and I I think it's kind of the the same thing they were looking out for Division One wrestling this this group was assigned to do what's best for Division One wrestling and you know you're you're talking about such a small number of athletes that would be impacted we talked about uh, that last week by right? that yep. yeah yep yeah so uh, so uh, will be. Uh, Certainly will be uh, something to keep an eye on here for the weeks, months, and years ahead to see what, uh, where this goes and, and how it affects uh, wrestling at all levels and also uh, how it uh, affects the post-collegiate stuff. So I think one thing, will, uh, one thing that will play a factor in that, or I should say play a factor, but one thing that um, will be interesting to see, too, that ties into all this is, where does uh, United World Wrestling decide to put the uh, World Championships on the calendar? Because next year they go into late October. Uh, senior World Championships will be in late October uh, in Budapest. The following in 2020, uh, the Olympics go back to late July, uh, early August. So it'll be interesting to see where UWW goes with its spot on the calendar, too. So lots of things that are impacted by this decision, though. Yeah, it's like, you know, you move one peg and nine other things move and sometimes the the correlation is is really easy and direct and easy to see and sometimes it's it's not um you know i i think your points are really well taken the blue ribbon for task force is about d1 they're concerned about helping folks you know making d1 the best it can be um you know my dad was the president of the njca for years and years and i think you know if he were the acting president now i think they would be saying, look, let's see how this goes. But if it goes well for them, I think we should follow suit. Makes it easier academically, um, you know, especially with at that level because there's more at-risk kids there in junior college than there are in Division One. Um, and I also think it's sort of a side benefit for right now, but the JUCO, NAIA, and D2 and D3 national tournaments might get a little more uh, – you might get a little more love, you know, I don't know, maybe not, but, um, you know, it, it won't hurt them, you know, so that's another thing. 
Um, the last thing that the, a couple coaches told me, and you know, in in my business life, you know, whenever we we have this joke, whenever anybody says it ain't about the money, it's always about the money. And that the at ESPN and NCA want to do this because of that, and that the projected profit, according to the folks that I talk to, that they're saying ESPN thinks is five hundred thousand dollars for the first year alone for doing this. So. I think there's a lot of ground to cover there. First of all, that's a lot of money. Second of all, it it goes to show that they believe that wrestling can be profitable, which I think is great, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, when you can show, look, wrestling is profitable. I'm like, you know, we know, you know, I'm not going to call you a nerd, but nerds like me, we know the NCAA wrestling tournament as it stands now is profitable. And that a lot of other sports aren't. And one of the things that wrestling fights is, you know, you got your sport costs money and doesn't make money. Well, if you have another example, and the and the format of following a dual meet tournament is a lot easier to follow. And you know, like this time of the year, like you know, you mentioned your Yankees. Like you're gonna love the Yankees. You know, if you're a Yankees guy, you're a Yankees guy. If they trade one guy. Like, you know, Jeter retires. I think you still like the Yankees. Mariano Rivera retires. You still like them. People root for the laundry. And yep. the dual meat format makes it a lot easier to root for the laundry. Yeah. So, yep. you know, and, and that's, you know, I think hardcore guys like, I want to see Andy Russell David. Well, sure. They don't like, you know, but, you know, somebody from Arizona State wants to watch their team wrestle 10 guys in a row and not have to pick it out and figure out which match it's on and miss half the first period. And this way, and I can tell you as a coach, it's a lot easier to coach dual meets than running around all day at an open tournament. You get to sit yeah. in a chair for two hours and not move. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's way, way easier to uh, to coach and it's way easier to follow. Well, I love them both, man. I, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I certainly think, uh, you know, in my, my 19 years covering Iowa wrestling, you know, some of my best memories on the beat are, are from dual meets. You know, some of the, the best moments inside Carver Hawkeye Arena uh, from just, you know, Iowa-Oklahoma State battles, Iowa-Penn State, Iowa-Minnesota, Iowa-Iowa State. I, uh, you know, there's nothing like it, you know, when, when there are 15,000 people in there and, and, and a dual meet hinges on one match, you know, you feel uh, like, you know, something that happens in the first bout of, of the night could really go a long way towards impacting the final team score. That's awesome to me. It is. But, but you know, and, and I uh, love it every bit as much in the middle of March, you know, late part of March when, when we're uh, at the NCAA championships, uh, and and you get to see the best guys in the country going head to head. The matchups that you've been talking about for months are, are coming to fruition. Uh, that, that's great stuff to me. I, I I would would hate to see either format go away. Uh, it's just a matter of maximizing the eyeballs that we can put on both formats, in my opinion, and and, and not just both formats, but but you know whenever the season starts until whenever the season ends, you know, put the most. Uh, people on the seats, get most people to, you know, read our stories, watch matches online, whatever it may be. We've seen some growth in, in the sport from a viewership standpoint, uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, there's a lot more out there to 
uh, a lot more out there to get. I agree. And I think that, you know, wrestling's a hard sport to understand, right? Like, you know, there's these positions and, you know, if your arm's over the top of my arm, you don't have control. If your arm's behind my armpit, if it's two fingers, you have control. And, you know, we talked about this last week that team scoring in an eight team, 16 team, 32 team tournament are all different. And then, you know, like, okay, this match happened on mat one. And then this, you know, now I got to wait for mat seven. You know, a, a dual meet is a lot easier for people to follow. And it's a lot easier for folks to get excited about, you know, about their program. And, you know, I think no matter how much you love wrestling, you have to realize that if you just look at the numbers from 20, 30 years ago, the the numbers are way down, especially at the Division One level. And, you know, but, I, you know, I'm obviously tied to JUCO, and the JUCO numbers are way down. You, to grow the sport, you have to make it easier for people to follow. I mean, I don't care what anybody yep. says. It's just if you don't get that, then you don't understand basically marketing 101, you know, so. Yep. Yeah. So all, all these things that they're doing, you know, maybe people will watch the dual meets because it's easier to follow, and then they might tune in and watch the ne- the individual tournament the next year because they're like, okay, yeah. you know, I like wrestling now. I think that's got to yeah. be hopefully a tangential benefit of that, right? Yeah, I would think so. And I made the illustration last week, of, or made the example last week of just the, the people that I worked with in the newsroom in Iowa City that were never wrestling fans. And, right. you know, when Tom, when Tom Brands came back and, and the program started taking off again, these people would, would go, uh, uh, you know, I talked a few of them into going and watching dual meets, you know, the, the big time dual meets. They had the time of their life there and, and they've become wrestling fans. You know, they, through the dual meet, you know, and, and root for the Hawkeyes and, and, you know, the big show in town. Um, the cool thing uh, about it was just seeing their, you know, their excitement and, and, you know, all of a sudden, like, they're reading stories that, that I'm writing every week. They're uh, following, see how the Hawkeyes are doing on the road, how they're going to Big Ten Championships, Midlands, NCAA Championships. They're, they're glued to that program suddenly. And, you know, I've been away from, from – uh, Iowa City Press Citizen for uh, six years now, and, and, you know, those are people that are still asking me about what's going on with Iowa wrestling. And, and to me, that's really cool to see people become wrestling fans that way. And, and I think uh, that kind of stuff can happen all across the country. And I think, I think probably to a certain degree it is happening all across the country in different programs. I mean, you're, you're seeing um, tremendous growth. Uh, in dual meet attendance uh, at Ohio State, at South Dakota State, at Rutgers, uh, just to name a few. And um, there are certainly some other places that it's happening as well. So um, Even Oklahoma State is the biggest yeah. duel in their history, right? Yeah. Yep. That's crazy, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, David, I know you've got to run. Do you have anything else for this week? Um, just rankings are going to come out. And, you know, I think it's important to people, you know, we'll talk about the rankings, but that um, it's really critical that people understand that we are ranking based on performance and not projection. So, you know, to use an example, if if Dayton Fix or Spencer Lee or both, you know, we knew they were going to wrestle, but there's, you know, 25 guys that qualified and are back from the national tournament, they're not going to start in our rankings. And it doesn't, and that's a very different, um, I mean, I talked to some other guys today that do rankings for another source, and 
you know, they said, you know, as long as you have a methodology and it's it's consistent, you know, people may not agree with it, but, you know, obviously everything shakes out at the end. But, you know, mine is heavily, heavily rewarding to how did you do at the national tournament? Because I think that's the one thing, you know, it doesn't matter if, if I beat you at a dual meet, who cares? I mean, you know, Mark Hall won nationals last year, not Alex Meyer, you know, as one example. Yep. So, yep. And, and I give a lot of credence to guys that got it done. You know, now once the season starts, you know, and those results get further and further back in the rearview mirror, it changes. But I think that's just, you know, and, and people can, you know, great thing about rankings are they're kind of just out there to argue about, right? You know, give somebody things to talk about and matches to look at. Um, and ultimately guys decided on the mat, which is how it should be. But I think people need to understand that. So, um, that, and then I want to give a quick shout out to my guy, Steve Horton. He's wrestling in the veterans division at the world championships, um, next week. And, uh, just want to wish him the best of luck. He wrestled for my dad back in, uh, back in the eighties. So real good guy doing good stuff and just wanted to wish him luck. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Laying In. Uh, we're going to have, as we mentioned, U23 World World Team Trials this weekend, Saturday and Sunday on track wrestling. And tune into those. Uh, 14.99 gets you the live stream and on-demand uh, matches from that tournament. Could be some great stuff going down up in Rochester. So check that out. We'll have coverage of that. Uh, our track wrestling team will have coverage of that throughout the weekend. And as David mentioned, the rankings will be coming out next week. So keep an eye out for those. David Mercatani, thank you as always. Thank you, my friend. And check us out on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. You can download and listen to us on the go on iTunes through the Matt Talk Podcast Network. If you're already doing so, be sure to check out trackwrestling.com for all our coverage of the U23 World Team Trials. Thank you. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.